0: Yes. Hello. Welcome to the end of Season 7. We uh, That's it. We're done. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> it's been a great a great season. We love you. Bye.
1: <laughs> Wrap-up episode. <laughs> are you ready to that's share your... That's mean.
0: No, we are here to actually, seriously wrap up Season 7 with another Q&A. We've got even more questions than we had last week, Courtney, which we love. We've got yes. it from... You, the listener, as well as you, the listener, and also got a question from you, the other listener.
1: I wasn't really sure where you were going for a second. <laughs> I don't think you were really sure either.
0: I'm very sure. I'm <laughs> certain. Anyway, Q and A again. We know the format. We get a bunch of questions from awesome people like yourself, and then we do a terrible job of answering them. Yes. Yeah. All right, as per usual, Courtney, I will read, um, I will then talk some bullshit, and you will give the real answers. Okay, let's go. Sounds good. <laughs> Question from Katie. When starting out for cardio and also weights, would you guys have a pre-workout drink beforehand?
1: Most of the time I do, but not necessarily all the time.
0: I do. I um, I do. Uh, however, I will just touch on something I said in our last Q and A episode, which is uh, there. Actually, I I did mention about the the importance of whole food habits before supplements, and that applies to things like pre and post workout drinks because they are supplements as well. Um, the answer is yes. I absolutely do um, pre workout supplements.
1: I, I. Do do pre workout supplements? You do do. I think yes. when I first heard you read out the question, I thought you were referring to like a pre workout powder, but that's obviously not the question. So well, yes,
0: pre workout drink. I'm I'm reading it as like supplements prior to a training session. I
1: take supplements prior to all my training sessions. Yes, yes. but I wouldn't necessarily always take a pre workout supplement within that. Oh, the actual powder. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. You
0: know, I'm I'm reading it as. Up A shake. Yeah, yep. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is merit in them as well, but this is where I will touch on what we I spoke about last week where it's not something I would recommend people looking at before their whole food habits are fairly solid because supplements won't cover off for poor habits. But to answer the question, yes, absolutely, I do, for sure. Yep. And Courtney does as well. Uh, second question from Katie. My second question is about medical help with weight loss. Like Jeremiah. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's fucking disgusting. Courtney go.
1: <laughs> I don't actually know much about it.
0: Okay. So is an appetite suppressant.
1: I know I, so, I knew that much, but I don't really okay, like other than it, the fact that it's terrible to suppress your appetite. I don't really know anything else about the medication.
0: Well, that, that you've, that's it. It it helps to suppress your appetite, so you're less hungry, so you eat less food, so you lose weight. Mm. So, what are your thoughts on how that would work compared to what you've been doing for a while? I will elaborate. When I said it's disgusting, I'll elaborate on that. Obviously, I won't just yeah. leave it at that. I,
1: I think you know straight away in my mind, you come to well. To me, it's not sustainable because as soon as you stop taking the medication, you you haven't learned anything by doing it. You're basically just masking the feeling of hunger. Um, so you, you, still potentially can eat shit food. You're just going to eat less of it. Um, and then once you stop taking the medication, I'm assuming that, you know, your, your app, your appetite is suppressed, which means then your metabolism will be suppressed, but it will come back. And then you're just going to start eating again the way that you used to. Um, for one, the other thing that I would say is that. You're still then putting a medication unnecessarily into your body, and I would st- I'd be wary of what other side effects that can potentially have.
0: That I can't speak to. I will uh, elaborate on the disgusting comment. Um, to me, it's it's kind of gross because one, it puts in people's minds that being hungry is a bad thing, mm. except we're often hungry if appetite and hunger can be a very good thing mm. and often is and often if you've got someone who's starting to go to the gym, they're training, they're building up their exercise habits et cetera, and they're you know working on on you know, their cooking habits or whatnot, their appetite will increase and that can scare a lot of people where for me when I have a client that says oh I'm getting more hungry it's like fucking yes mm. excellent. Because that means the metabolism is improving. Yes. And that's kind of actually how this works. To fix someone on the outside, you must first fix them on the inside. Let's just say that no one gets out of shape, overweight, unhealthy, et cetera, with a ripping metabolism. In fact, that's, it's the exact opposite of that. And Duramind works, and I use the term works very loosely works by suppressing your appetite, so helping you to eat less, except helping you to eat less works against how the human metabolism works. So by eating less, you are reducing, lowering, suppressing, insert word here, your metabolism, which is it's working against how the body is built, which is why I think it's gross uh, because it also, as I said before, puts in our mind that, that being hungry is a bad sign when actually it's a really, really, really good sign. Uh, I am not – I'm not a massive fan of this stuff at all. I do think it's gross. I don't think, as Courtney said, it fails the sustainability test immediately because unless you're going to be using it for the rest of your life, um, how's this going to work? Uh, and I just don't think it helps actually teach people a damn thing. Yeah. doesn't help you learn about you, your habits, how you react to things, the choices that you make. It, there's no education there as well, um, so yeah, uh, gross yeah. is is my thoughts on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything you want to add, or I will just move straight on.
1: No.
0: Uh, question from Laura: Question about adding in a third day of weight training, Courtney. Uh, I won't read this out word for word because it's a pretty it's a pretty detailed email. And yes, we asked for it, so we got it. Great email. Anyway, um, Laura wants to add in a third, potentially add in a third day of weights. But with all my other activities, I'm having trouble finding a spot for it. Uh, She is sent through her weekly schedule, which you're looking at there as well, Courtney. Mm -hmm. So pretty active. Um, A combination of uh, sports, uh, walking, um, weightlifting. And she says Oculus, which gets me excited because that makes me – is that the Oculus Rift VR headset? Because I also happen to have one of those things too. Um, So a a pretty active lifestyle. Uh, And she says, I'm concerned adding a third lifting day wouldn't leave any rest days and I don't want to end up hurting myself. I also don't want to give up any of my sports-related activities because playing is my happy place. Should I not worry so much about adding a third lifting day in? My reason for wanting a third day is to get more practice in and see some better gains in the strength department. Is this just going to be one of those you-have-to-make-a-decision scenarios or is there a clear path you would recommend? Hmm. You're looking at me.
1: I thought you were going to give your opinion.
0: <sighs> I'm getting my breath back. Oh, i just sorry. read out a lot of words, mate. Back I think, me up on this.
1: Well, I think looking at the schedule for Laura right now, she's two rest days. Hmm. So my, my first thought was potentially well she could definitely add in a third weightlifting day have one rest day a week and see how it works um obviously then if recovery is impacted or the sport that she's playing is impacted then then she'll know but i mean i I think you can get away with one rest day in in a week if the nutrition's there for recovery what do you think
0: Well, when it comes to a training program, the the first thing is a training program must be designed based on a person's goals. Uh, So in terms of getting my reason for wanting a third day is to get more practice in like, okay, cool, do it and see what happens. Um, As I said before, a training program should be based around a person's goals, but on top of that. An effective training program should be a mixture of things you need to do and a mixture of things you love to do,
1: because
0: mm. that adds the sustainability aspect to it. Uh, so, I would, I would honestly just, for me, it's the old suck it and see approach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do it and see what happens. On the other hand, do you? If things are working well as they are.
1: Well, Would you yeah. change a thing? Well, she does because she said that, the, you know, she wants to um, build more strength. Did she not?
0: My reason for wanting a third day is to get more practice in and see some better gains in the strength department.
1: I'd say that there's a reason. Mm. So if the reason is there, I completely agree with you. If there's not really a reason and you just think you should be doing three – then I wouldn't, but if she wants to get stronger and... Well, the
0: thing is you can get stronger by just doing what you're already doing and progressing the weight accordingly.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I've
0: seen people get incredibly strong on two days a week of lifting. Like, I've seen it firsthand.
1: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with two days a week.
0: I started on one. Yeah. I started on one day a week, you know. like well, you started on two.
1: So I guess the answer then would be is if you really... You really want to go to three, I would definitely add, take away one of your rest days, add in a third and just monitor it and see what happens. But I think Matt also makes a good point is that you don't necessarily need to add a third to gain strength.
0: No, you don't. You, you can get stronger doing one day a week.
1: You could really, if you, if your schedule is working for you, Laura, as it is, then you could potentially just adjust what you're doing on your two weight training days to really have a better impact.
0: Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. Cool. So there's no clear path I'd recommend.
1: Well, there's two options there, basically. (laughs) There's two options. No, it, it, it
0: it will depend on the goal, but I definitely wouldn't add a third day just to see better gains in the strength department because, as I said, you can get better gains in the strength department by how you structure a person's existing program be it one day a week or two days a week, you can get stronger doing just that, seeing it firsthand. Yep. Uh, move on? hmm Okay. Uh, Cheryl asks the question, we've been asked the most and have answered the most and are going to answer it again um, in pretty short order. What are your thoughts, Courtney, on intermittent fasting? Please tell us how it works for you. Go. <laughs> Aren't you? Aren't you on one of those eight sixteen things where you eat for eight hours and fast for sixteen? But it depends on if the if the full moon. If it's a full moon, you only do keto. Yeah, fuck do I know?
1: Personally, I've never done inter- intermittent fasting. Yes, you have. Well, yes, I lie. I you currently do. I it. fast when I'm sleeping. Thank you. So I don't eat for eight hours a day. Um. Eight hours out of every twenty-four hours, I don't eat, and it works great for me. Um, but probably even a bit more because I don't eat right before I go to bed either. Well, so, also
0: you sleep longer than eight hours because you were obsessed with sleeping in. You, you, you eat,
1: probably about ten hours out of every twenty-four yeah, more, hours, more
0: fourteen hours. With how well, long you sleep I, in for? I don't
1: usually eat right before I go to bed. Mm. So anyway, I don't do it, so I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that swear by it. Okay. Cool. There's a lot of people out there that swear by keto or counting calories or I don't know, appetite suppressant medication like surgery. Surgery. There's a lot of there's a lot of things out there that you can do and mm. Yeah. I mean, I
0: Here's a question. Have we we often will make the joke about, yes, we fast when we sleep, which is also true. Um ha, how has not because actually generally when people ask about intermittent fasting, they don't refer to when you're sleeping. It's that sort of thing like, you know, I don't eat before midday or I don't eat after, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon or it's the 16, eight or whatever the fuck it is. Like there's a, There are many different forms of intermittent fasting. How has not doing any of them worked for you so far, Courtney?
1: Yeah, fine. Okay. Fine.
0: So that would be my response as well, um, where it's like, well, if someone can – the best program is always the one you can stick to. Yeah. So if a person is on some sort of intermittent fasting and can sustain it and it work, and they feel it works for them, fucking carry on. Yeah. Go forth and live your life. Me personally, I do fast when I sleep. Um, outside of that, I wouldn't fast in a million years because I know my training performance would go off a cliff and I would end up killing myself in the gym. Um, and much like Courtney, not doing it has worked out fine. So why would I do it?
1: I, I, th- I think also you have to factor in the, you know, you we've put so much time and effort into building up our metabolism. <laughs> um,
0: how do you think, how do you think you would go on leg day having not eaten for, um, I don't know, eight hours prior?
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't go well. Yeah, nah,
0: is that the answer? I think Yena? there's some
1: people out there that, say, you know, oh, well, I get used to it. But I still think that there has to be some sort of compromise with their training and that what, they would have to make.
0: You've just used the magic word. Would you want to get used to compromised training performance? Because I sure as fuck wouldn't. Why would I even bother going to the gym? Well,
1: I don't think they think it's compromised training. They think that they're still training hard. I just That's fine. I just wonder if their their training, as you said, would be compromised. Of
0: course it would be. I think it,
1: it, some it, people obviously get used to it.
0: How well? How far would you drive if you want to drive your car? You know, let's say you want to drive your car five hundred kilometers in one go, and you have a hundred kilometers worth of fuel in the tank, but you won't fill it up. Will you get the five hundred kilometers? What? <laughs> you're not with me on this.
1: I lost that train of
0: thought. If you're, I always, I always equate this to an analogy with a car. Right. Right. Are you going to drive your car the distance of a full tank of petrol with only a quarter tank of petrol actually in there? No. To me, it's the same thing with this with training. Would you train the hard days of the week, lifting in the gym, working to get stronger
1: with nothing in your body? No. I don't think so. And And I think, as you mentioned before, I just don't see the reason not to eat when I could eat. Yeah. But personal preference, I guess. But I just prefer to find a way where I could eat. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I think I think changing your habits is hard enough in the first place, let alone trying to change your habits to not being allowed to eat for extended periods of time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, simplest answer is this. I fast when I sleep. Like that's, yeah. 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 Cool. Move on. Yep. Yeah. Question from Michelle. Actually, two questions from Michelle. Will you be offering the academy again this year? The weight loss podcast academy. Uh, no, we will not be. We are working on. We are currently rebuilding it. So, to add some context to this, um, we created a weight loss podcast academy that we rolled out. Um, that was, <laughs> we thought it was fantastic. Um, that was well received and we took a lot of uh, good sort of learning lessons from that and are currently rebuilding it to something a lot bigger and better. So actually, we may be offering it again this year. We're actually... Not far off. We're making pretty good progress on this, um, but it's going to be quite different to what it was. So in other words, stay tuned. Yes. Uh, Also from Michelle, and I love this question because Courtney and I have argued about this, is there the possibility of y'all selling a cookbook? Do Do we want to have the fight now?
1: No. There's no possibility.
0: There is a tremendous possibility.
1: Matt wants to do a cookbook.
0: Matt has wanted to do one for a while and Courtney has said, fuck you, I'm the boss. No.
1: I don't want to do a cookbook, so... We'll just see. We'll see how that goes.
0: Let's see who wins.
1: There's plenty of cookbooks. Matt will
0: win. <laughs> All right. So uh, again, stay tuned. We'll see. There'll be a few. There'll be a few. Uh, a few sort of domestics on that one before we get to the bottom of that. I think a maybe. few. A few more domestics. We'll just
1: leave it as a maybe.
0: That's a sore point right now.
1: <laughs> Not for me.
0: Okay. Um, question from Devon. Are oh, you going to love this, Courtney? I can see. Hey, Courtney and co-host. That's about right. Boom. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to roll with this. Uh, it's, 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 it's fair. Yeah, It's fair. Anyway, uh, long-time listener. I appreciate everything you guys, as in Courtney and co-host, put out there. <laughs> um, also, thought I'd mention that yours was the first podcast I ever listened to. Now, I love that. First podcast I ever listened to was like in two thousand and three, a video game podcast, which should come as no surprise.
1: No surprise.
0: Um, but that's really flattering. Like mm. that's awesome. I mean, you start your first podcast with the the, the biggest pair of dickheads you can find, and it's <laughs> only going to get better from there. Like, totally on the ground floor.
1: Speak for yourself.
0: Okay, I belong to the best gym in my area. But even then, they don't have much in the way of small plates and incremental dumbbells. It's usually a 5 to 10-pound jump. What would you recommend for increasing weight when there isn't the option to increase by one or two pounds at a time? Thanks again for everything you do. Good question. Great question. Dumbbells are a pain in the ass in this regard because dumbbells, once you get above, and I'm going to use, um, I'm going to talk in kilos. Um, so, so for, for, if you're about pounds, like you, will get the hang of it. Just go with me. Yeah. Anyway, here in Australia, yeah. here in Australia, um, you'll have like one kilo increases from one to 10 kilos with the dumbbells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, there are only 2.5 kilo increases. So roughly, roughly four and a half to five pound
1: increases. Go. I just Googled it. So one kilo equals 2.2 pounds. Okay,
0: cool. Glad we got to the bottom of yeah. that. Okay, so yeah, I mean, Devin is correct. Uh, it's usually a five to 10 pound jump and that, that can be an issue. Um, what would you recommend for increasing? Well, uh, one thing I can recommend, um, you can buy out there, they're called fractional plates. Mm. We, we own a couple of sets ourselves, Courtney, where um, you can get them in 250 gram, 500 gram, 750 gram, and one kilo pairs, which are fantastic for really small incremental increases on barbells, mm-hmm. highly recommend getting a set of fractional plates, keeping them in a gym bag. Do not leave them in the gym. They will get stolen.
1: Oh, 100% don't leave them in, in the no, gym.
0: because they are tiny. Yes. And this is also why gyms don't have them. Yes. Because you could literally put them in your pocket and walk out. Yes. You know how I know this? I've seen it done. God. The gym you and I first met at, I saw them get stolen by people. Uh, anyway, buy a set of fractional plates to use on dumbbells. They are a lifesaver.
1: Yeah. I reckon most places would sell them. Probably Amazon would even sell them. You can get it
0: on Amazon, any most fitness stores or fitness um, websites, but Amazon's a good place for that. Yep. Dumbbells are a different story. Dumbbells, yep. this, this is the drawback with dumbbells is that the increase can be a bit of a jump. Now, that being said, I still do a lot of dumbbell-based work, as do you, Courtney. Um, what's your go to in this when when there's a bit of a jump on an exercise, like say with you with your shoulder press mm. or your incline bench press on your on your chest, day eh, with dumbbells you do?
1: I tend you- to go slightly over. So if I'm my aim is to hit ten. Ten reps? Yep, but I could go slightly over. I will go slightly over and I'll tend not to go then you know, if I try the next one down the next week, As long as I hit the eight, then I'm okay. You know, because you got that two, you got that two rep sort of leeway there. Um, So if I can go like, if I can get to ten and feel like I nailed it and I did so well, it's probably likely I've gone to eleven at least, or even maybe twelve, but probably eleven. I've at least tried to get that eleventh one out. So if I can do that, then I'm usually fairly confident that I could go up, but. I need to lower my expectations potentially in that I'm not going to hit 10 and 11 on the higher weight because it's a bigger jump. Mm. So potentially you're just copying that decrease at the start of in your rep range, but then that's your goal to then build it back up.
0: Completely agree. I do the exact same thing. I will always go for the heavier dumbbell and then challenge myself to – or challenge my body to handle the load and get better at it because – Ultimately, when it comes to strength training, I would rather go the path that asks my body to get stronger Yeah, because it's not going to get stronger staying at the same weight. So even with dumbbells where it can be like, oh, shit, I've got to go from, let's say, shoulder press, like oh the, the jump from a 32.5-kilo dumbbell is to a 35-kilo dumbbell, which is a, a pretty fucking decent jump for, a, for an exercise like a shoulder press. I'm still going to make the jump give it my best shot, as Courtney said, and then just back myself over the coming week or two or three or whatever it is to get better at that weight.
1: Yeah, it may even be less than your rep range. You you know, I might even only get seven or whatever. Find out. It doesn't matter. Don't don't freak out and just think, oh, I've got to go straight back down because you haven't made the wrong decision because there was nothing in between for you to pick.
0: I, I would rather be at the same weight for a couple of weeks, getting better at that weight, Knowing it's a heavier load that I'm asking my body to to move, yeah, than doing, than going the other way and doing what is too easy. When it comes down to it, this could also be a question of what what's better, more weight or more reps. I will take more weight, yeah, personally, because you're asking your body to use more muscle fibers to lift a heavier weight.
1: I think as well, just to also touch on is the little. Little habit that we have, which is when we're using a pin loaded machine. So in the gym, you might be doing like a lap pull down or something like that on a pin loaded machine. And obviously, they also have fairly high um, jumps. Oh,
0: that's a good point. Those jumps are even bigger again. They can be like seven to seven and a half kilo jumps.
1: It can be. So I think in those situations as well, that I would, what we tend to do is our, our gym, I don't know whether all gyms have this, but our gym has little, um, like baby uh, dumbbells. Most gyms, will like one or two kilo kilo dumbbells. One kilo dumbbells. So we will rest that one kilo dumbbell across the top of the weight plate, uh, yeah, the the weight plates. And then, you know, usually balances, they're fine. And then that's your increase rather than going up to the next weight plate on the the machine. But I was just thinking, if your gym doesn't have those little miniature weights.
0: They will though. Dumbbells. All all gyms have small dumbbells like that.
1: Yeah, I think that they would.
0: All gyms do. Yeah. They have to. Because then if they if you don't have the, the small dumbbells from one to ten kilos, like you pretty much rule out beginners, which is like that's pointless yeah, for that's a gym. That's true. Um if, if you usually
1: went, you find them somewhere. If
0: you went to a gym that didn't have those small dumbbells, you're at the wrong gym.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, I'd be telling the gym manager, listen, you really Is this need to... is
0: this your first time working here, champ? Like um, what are you fucking doing? You
1: need to have one to ten. But yeah. yeah, that's a that's another good tip to use. Don't feel like you have to just go up to the next plate on those pin-loaded machines, you can bridge that gap as well.
0: Yep, well said.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: Next question comes from Angie. I work in a busy maternity unit and work shifts. I do night shifts once or twice a fortnight. Uh, Night shifts are a real valley for me. I usually only get an hour or so sleep beforehand and after for that day. That's rough. I also tend to snack on the food people bring in over the night, which is usually potato chips, pizza, and cake. And the next day, my zombie day, I crave fatty, carby foods. I try to resist, but I'm usually exhausted and have no time on the shift, so pick at things on the go. Any advice you could give to help me better manage this would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Love the show. That's nice. This is a rule of proximity thing first and foremost. Um, so it's um, I tend to snack on the food people bring in over the night. Well, start bringing your own food in. Yeah. So this 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 requires some some time investment in preparing your own food to take in with you. So generally, we we work we we have worked with and still do work with a number of shift workers, and it's a case of knowing your schedule in advance. Uh, preparing accordingly and taking your own choices—that is the yeah. best way to manage this.
1: I think as well, you can always people who work in positions like these, nurses, um, paramedics, people like this—they yeah. always in the first um, when they first hear this, they they get worried, thinking, "Oh, but I don't have time to sit down and have a full meal." We're not when you say take your own meals, you're not. We're not saying take a roast. you know a complete full you know sunday roast with roasted vegetables or you sit down with a knife and fork and eat it you know your own job and you know how much time you have pick foods accordingly that you know that you can eat so when I used to work in the hospitality industry I knew that I didn't often have much time to eat so I would pick foods that didn't need heating up Mm. I didn't need to microwave them. I didn't need to sit down and eat them with a knife and fork. I picked foods that I knew I could just eat with my hands um, if I needed to.
0: Or just a fork or a spoon?
1: Or just yep, just a fork didn't have to sit down and have and like a knife up. and fork. Yeah. You know so I'd make things like those like mini little egg muffins. They're like a like an omelette, but I put them in a muffin tray sort of thing because I know that I yep. can just eat those cold, eat them hot, eat them with my hands if I need to, um, eat them on the go. Um, like it's you. You can get really creative, and as Matt said, it's it's putting in the time to really think about it and think about what you're going to eat and your work conditions to suit. Yeah, and then pick foods accordingly and take foods that you know that are going to work for you. Because Matt's right, there is a rule of proximity. You can't control what other people bring in, but you can control what you bring in.
0: Yeah, the this. This situation is better managed before you go to work. Yeah. Not at work.
1: And then it's the same thing with your zombie day, the day after. Of course, you're going to crave carby foods. You know, that's quite normal. Your
0: body's used to it. Yeah. And then you're also adding tired and stressed.
1: Yeah. Emotions run high. I, I crave anything that involves sugar.
0: No one, in a situation like that, no one is going to be able to win unless they've got their own. Uh, better choices yeah. on hand.
1: so that's when again you would have on your days off or whatever you would prep food to have in the fridge. so the next day when you are having your zombie day, even though you're gonna crave carby foods excuse me, you can you still go to your fridge and you've already got something in there already prepped. You're not. You're going to be too tired to do it. So you've got it there. It's already made. It's already prepped, or it might be in your freezer. You know, you've you've got meals put in your freezer. Where you can just grab it out.
0: Yep. And the craving for the fatty, carby foods is there because you've been giving your body fatty, carby foods. So it wants more. Um, it becomes a physiological addiction. Over time, there will be a fuel shift uh, where your body will crave different things like real food, vegetables, like lean protein, etc. As weird as it sounds, it does happen. Like living proof of that. But as I said, this situation will be managed better before going to the shift. It will be done on the days off in terms of planning and preparation. So, yes, this is absolutely a rule of proximity thing. Yeah. Move on? Okay. Marley asks, I tried creatine and it, ma- it really made me retain water. Did you have that problem? What am I doing wrong? This feels like a Matt question since Matt knows creatine inside and out. Um, so creatine um, works by drawing water into your muscle cells. So that sort of water retention is part of how it works. Um, it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong. It more sounds like you are. You might be potentially just panicking, like "Oh shit, I'm retaining. I'm retaining water. Like this is not how it's supposed to be. Like actually, that's how it works." Um, thing is with creatine. You will, as I said, draw water into the muscle cells, but it will also give you, when it's loaded in, will give you dramatically increased performance in whatever the hell it is you're doing, especially in the gym. As I said on last week's Q&A, everything feels 20 kilos lighter when creatine is loaded. And the thing is with creatine, it's it's designed, it, it works in a way where it helps you to perform at a greater level. So let's use the context of lifting weights in the gym. You can lift heavier weights. So if you can lift heavier weights, that means you get stronger. If you, if you get stronger, that means you build more muscle tissue. If you build more muscle tissue, that means you increase your, your resting metabolic rate. If you increase your, your resting metabolic rate, that means over time you will burn more energy, aka fat as well, and over time you will get stronger and leaner. So it doesn't sound like, as I said, like you're doing anything wrong. I would just say stick with it, let it play out and see where it goes. Um, One little word of warning with creatine, when you take it, you should also increase your water intake with it as well because, as I said, it does draw water to your muscle cells and for some people that's how they can feel a bit dehydrated, lethargic in some ways, got to increase the water intake with it. Yep. Cool. Uh, Some questions uh, from Michelle. Michelle. Um, Menopause and weight loss. Um, Hormone changes in women trying to lose weight. How do you best handle it? I would just say go back, Michelle, and listen to last week's Q&A where we spoke about this more in detail. Uh, Short answer, it's a control the controllable situation, but go back and listen to last week's Q&A. Second question from Michelle about uh, loose skin uh, on people that have lost weight. If they've lost a lot of weight or if they are older clients that have lost weight, not seeing the results besides the loose skin, even though they're putting in the hard work day in and day out, they know they have muscle under it but can't visually see it, what do you advise them to do? Me or you?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, when it comes to loose skin, there's not going to be much you can do about that from a – uh, weight training point of view. So, yes, you can do a lot about your body shape, which is going to help with with skin as well. Um, I think we've spoken about it in the past, Matt, especially episode, with males. Um,
0: and, episode 60 of yeah. the podcast, uh, we did about um, stretch marks, cellulite, and loose skin. I think Don't with, ask how I remember that. No, I just do.
1: I think with um, with males, it, it can sometimes transform – uh, their body a lot because obviously they fill out a bit
0: the wall actually ladies can too yeah so in the case of someone who's older naturally as as we get older the skin's your skin's elasticity will reduce that's yes. unfortunately part of life um only way to help to address that will be surgical um however from a training perspective um in terms of you know if someone's lost a lot of weight and they're Got a bit of loose skin. You can you can see what will happen by manipulating a person's training. So less less cardio, yep. Um, more of a focus on strength training and muscle building. But also then the real work will happen in in a person's eating habits and eating eating in a way that will promote muscle growth and seeing if you can fill them out. This could yeah. be male or female; it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's true. With that, it is true. Um, so the the first thing I'd be advising Michelle is well, okay. Can anything you're doing be improved Mm. straight away? So, you know, from a training program perspective, from a nutritional perspective, um, usually from a nutritional perspective, it's like, well, okay, I'll be looking at is this person skipping meals? Um, Are they potentially under-eating? Because, yes, you can under-eat when it comes to this as well. Yes. Um, And do we need to bump things up a little bit? Yes. So you, you you. you know, you, Michelle, or we would also, you know, we need to look at well, what's happening here. What's the overall situation? Where can the improvements be made? Mm. If you've got someone and they get to the stage where, well, you know what, they're they're checking all the boxes, they're 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 kicking ass at what they're doing, and there's still a bit of loose skin there, then guess what? Time to go under the knife.
1: Yeah, well, it's, yeah, that that would then be the only way to. And you're looking at some, sort, really you're looking so. at something
0: like a body lift. Yeah. Um. And it's for, for a lot of people, that are, especially overweight people, they are terrified of potential loose skin issues um, mm. if they lose all the weight. My advice would be lose all the weight and cross that bridge when you get to it because yeah. you won't be as bad as being stuck where you fucking are right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree.
0: Anything you'd like to add to that or do we move on?
1: No, just one thing I will mention is that, yes, older people do lose the elasticity in their skin, yep. but younger people, once you get... So overweight, it it's nev- like it's not going to necessarily co- like be able to come back either. It will so, depend on how they lose it. Yeah, as Yeah, it, well. it also does depend how they lose it. But you know, I think just to point that out, where it's not just the older people's skin that will find it hard to come back in.
0: Oh, if you if you have a young person who's heavily overweight and then goes and loses a whole bunch of it by. Honestly, starving themselves and doing a whole bunch of cardio, they will have bags of skin hanging off their body.
1: Yeah. 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 So you can, you can definitely mitigate as, you know, a young person or an older person, I think the same. You can mitigate it the way you lose weight.
0: A thousand percent correct. Yes. Absolutely. How the thing is, I mean, this could be a different podcast unto its own. Not all weight loss methods are the same, they don't result in you. There's a hundred thousand different ways to lose weight. They don't all give the same fucking outcome. So, as Courtney said, you can you can mitigate things like like lose skin by how it's done. So it's, it might be a more of a slower approach. Oh fuck it, no one wants to lose it slow. No. <laughs> um, but it's a more slower approach based around strength training. Yes. And and you know, giving the skin something to sort of wrap around. Yes. As uh, as the weight starts to go, and it's almost like you're replacing the fat with the muscle. Yes. Over time. Um, but yeah, the, the, the method involved will, will, change the, change the end result. But for someone, um, in this particular case, the, the Michelle who's asked this question is a former client of ours, who's really kicked some major ass, um, with, with you, Michelle be like, you, you know, you, we need to look at what are you doing right now? and are there any areas to improve and, and manipulations that can be made with training program and you know and your, your nutritional intake to see if we can fill things out a little bit more and get you a bit a bit bigger and stronger yep in that regard then after that you see where you're at Yeah. and maybe a decision needs to be made um but i would say with you michelle with the improvements that you've made um this for you is well as hard as silly as this may sound Compared to where you were when you first started with us, this is what I consider a good problem. Mm-hmm. You only get this problem through epic progress. Yep. So love your guts. Next. Next. Brendan. Brendan asks, I've been lifting weights for six months or so and made, made huge gains early, uh, mostly due to gaining confidence in what I'm doing and better technique. My question is, what's a realistic, reasonable increase to expect? I'm looking at this from the perspective of goal setting for the next six months so my goals won't be unrealistic or, on the other hand, not challenging enough.
1: Goals in terms of how much you should be lifting?
0: Yes. So strength increase goals. Your thoughts?
1: <laughs> how long long's a piece of strength?
0: was the first response I'd have to.
1: Um, I, I, You know, I, I would find it personally hard to answer this question um, fully. At the end of the day, I think not challenging enough would be expecting no increase. So I think just to have an, an expectation right now to be increasing your weight and increasing your strength is a definite, is like a baseline. Like you can't go the next six months and not do that. Um yeah. In terms of what's unrealistic, it depends where your goals are at, like where your numbers are at now, and it depends what the what the um, the exercise is. So personally, I'll give you an example. So personally, for me, I would expect my. I've just started a new on week two of my new program. So this this program will run for the run for the next twelve weeks. I'm aiming for ten reps on my leg press. I think I did. 60 kilos aside I think this week I would well and truly expect that to the end of my program to be pushing 100 kilos aside but I'm quite you know that's legs and it's a leg press and for me I'm comfortable with a leg press and and I know in my history I can do that that would be very different say that's a big jump you think oh well that's 40 kilos aside that's 80 kilos that you're going to jump up in the next 12, you know, 10 weeks. But at the same time, my increases, say, on my ch- on my chest press, for me, my bench press, my flat bench press, I think I did, um, oh, what did I do this week? I think I did 17 kilos a side, 16 kilos a side. I think on my last program I tapped out at 22 or 21 a side. So it's only like four more kilos aside over the next 10 weeks. That doesn't seem quite as big of a difference as my leg press. So just to that if that makes sense as an example that not all exercises for each person are created the same and you're not going to always then be able to set a number of this is how much across the board I need to be increasing my weight. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Um, the first thing I would be expecting is diminishing returns. Because he's currently enjoying beginner gains. Um, when you first start out lifting weights, you can as you get your confidence coming through and you sort of get your eye in with the form and how you're doing things, you will make gains that, as you will learn in the coming years, are fucking superhuman compared to what you will That's be true. doing. Yes So I remember the first time I ever um, did a, a properly structured training program, I literally tripled my deadlift weight in three months. <laughs> now. If I, if I can increase like maybe by a kilo or two a week, I'm pretty fucking happy with that. Yeah. You know, so the first thing I would expect is diminishing returns. In terms of um, setting setting realistic strength-based goals, often for me, um, and I, as Courtney was explaining that, I was just going through my most recent um, program myself, looking at my own numbers. I like to go, well, okay, this time on my previous program, I did X weight. For X reps, I would like to beat that this time at the same time of this program. If that oh, makes yeah, sense, yeah, that's a
1: good goal. Yeah. So,
0: for example, let me get my phone out here because I record all my numbers in my phone. On my, I'm I'm currently between programs right now uh, on a deload. At the end of my last program, um, on for example, the single leg press, I did 172.5 kilos on each leg for six reps. I would like to think that by the end of my next program, I can get up to around 180. Mm. So that there is a seven and a half kilo jump over the course of a few months comparing apples to apples. So week 12 of this program at this exercise compared to week 12 of the next program. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's that apples to apples comparison. To me, 180 feels good, but I only know that because I'm looking at the numbers that I've recorded previously. They're right here in front of me. And I've got the experience of doing this for a very long time. So with someone like like you, Brendan, um, honestly, just I would aim to be stronger than you were at the same time um, of a previous program, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, and just see through experience and learn through experience what's realistic versus not what's not realistic because honestly, you don't know until you give it a crack. Yeah. Um, I personally would always rather – aim a bit higher than aim a bit lower. Yep. However high you aim, like if you you only aim for a small increase, that's all you're going to get. Yeah. I'd rather aim higher and at least go, well, okay, that may have been a bridge too far, but I gave it my best shot. Yeah. And you can't ask for more than that. Yep. Can you?
1: I like it. The only other one I was thinking that I tend to always have sort of an, it's sort of an unspoken goal for me. Over time, and for most people, and we've spoken about it before, when you're doing progressive overload, yeah, and so when you are reducing your sets, whether that be every reps. two weeks, a reps, sorry, whether that be every three, four weeks, so I'm doing every four weeks. So I'm doing ten reps right now, and then I'll go for the um, second month of my program. I'll do aim for eight, and then for the last month, I'll be aiming for six reps. So every time. Obviously, every week I'm aiming to go up in weight if by a small amount if I can. But definitely when those um, those rep ranges decrease, I tend to aim for roughly a two kilo increase. And again, it depends what the exercise is, you know, where your strength levels lie. But that's generally what I aim for. So I always find that make sure that you've got some sort of goal in when your rep ranges do change, making sure that you are sort of pushing it up there as well. Yep.
0: Cool. Next one. Mm-hmm. A question from Laura. What are your thoughts on plant-based nutrition slash eating? I'm hearing this come up more and more, and there's loads of research out there that support the health benefits. My endocrinologist suggested I give it a try, and my primary doctor recommends it, although they both didn't say it was necessary. Courtney, what are your thoughts on plant-based Eating,
1: there's nothing wrong with plant-based eating. Absolutely um, not. There's, there's definitely, you know, obviously a lot of nutrients involved there. I think for me, the one thing that I will say with plant-based eating is that if you're going to do it, I tend to find that it's not going to be sustainable if you don't have a really reason to do it. So there's people that I know who a who are say vegan and they're vegan, you know, there's, there's there's somebody that I know who's been vegan since he was 11, and that's a personal decision he made at that age mm. to stop eating any plant, uh, any animal um, products. Animal products. Yep. Um, now, he's in his mid-20s now, and he's still completely vegan and does not intend to go back at all. And it's
0: normal. So that it? for yeah. him is
1: normal, but mm. him for him that was a personal decision he made. Um, so I think... You just have to be – there's a lot of talk around plant-based eating and I think there's been some documentaries in the last few years that have sort of tried to really promote this as a lifestyle. Some some
0: of those documentaries have been fucking woeful, I should add.
1: It's presented as a lifestyle and and don't get me wrong, I have nothing against people that do it and it is a lifestyle to them. I just don't think that something like that should be promoted to everybody as a fix-it to their lifestyle unless it means something to them. So to me, then it just becomes a diet. So you're just going on a diet of not eating plant, uh, you're not eating animal products. So if you really want to do it and you feel strongly about it for ethical, religious, whatever reasons, then great. And you can, you then need to just make sure that you're getting all the nutrients that you can, and you still have to make sure you get protein because protein is essential. There are plant based proteins out there. I consume them um, because. Whey protein doesn't suit well with me. Dairy
0: dairy proteins don't work well no. for you.
1: So there are there are other forms of plant based proteins out there, but you Good must ones. yeah, but you must make sure that you are having still a balanced dietary intake. Also, factor in that just because somebody says that they're vegan doesn't mean that they're healthy. So there's there's different ways to live in these lifestyles. So you know, potato chips technically can be vegan. Like
0: <laughs> well, so can, you can get vegan pizza, vegan, get vegan ice cream, yeah. you can still get vegan junk food.
1: So it's it's not necessarily like this is why I mean though, some people I think it's being promoted often now as as a as a as a diet, which I don't really like. If you're doing it because it's been recommended to you because of ex health professional or it's
0: Tolerance issues.
1: Tolerance issues or it's been recommended or or you've just decided because of spiritual or religious reasons or ethical ethical reasons that this is a path that you want to lead, by all means, do it.
0: I'm all for it, yeah.
1: But I don't like people when they use the word um, in terms of diet because that should never be used, I think. I'm
0: doing it to lose weight, then I'll go back to normal.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's obviously they're not going to be sustainable and I feel like if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you're then also less invested into really making sure that your nutrition is balanced. So one thing that you'll find with a lot of people that go on a plant-based um, way of eating is that often they'll just cut out the dairy products but they won't replace. Wow. So you need to remember that everything that you cut out, even if you're on a plant-based um eating lifestyle you need to remember to replace so you can't go on a plant-based eating lifestyle and still and and cut out all protein sources and not replace them because the vegetables that you're eating alone will not be enough and your training and your activity will be impacted
0: tremendous soapbox (laughs) tremendous um my thoughts on plant-based eating is most Ninety nine point nine percent of people in the world could do with more plant based foods in their life. Oh, absolutely! Um, if you look at most people and you, you ask yourself the question, do you reckon they benefit from eating more more fruits and vegetables? Yes, yes. a thousand percent. Yes. Well, um, we
1: do live in a, a very high processed world. Fucking
0: earth, we do. Yeah. Um, so i I'm we have a number of clients we work with that are plant based, and we often will get asked the question by people. They'll send like an application through. Oh. Do you would you guys accept accept someone who's who's plant based or, or are you not for that? Like I'm I'm all for it. As Courtney said, especially if there's if there's ethical or, or religious or whatever reasons where someone's plant based, like cool, no worries at all. Like I've worked with stacks of people that are plant based and, and different types of um, vegetarians and you know up to, up to up to being a vegan. I'm all for it. Um, am I plant based? No, I would describe myself as very much predominantly plant-based, um, 90 to 95% of the food I eat is plant-based. Yeah. Um, I still do have um, some animal products, but the, I'm not going to repeat. Courtney, you've hit the nail on the head with, with quite a few things. The only extra thing I would add when it comes to plant-based eating is just to understand that there can be a real big difference between someone doing a, a plant-based approach versus a plant-based approach that optimizes body composition and health and performance and function. They can be two completely different things. Cause I've seen and worked with people that have made the mistake of thinking, oh, well, I'm vegan, I'm healthy. And it's like, mate, you're still eating fucking junk. It just says it's the, the ice cream packet says vegan. Yeah. It's still ice cream. Yeah. The pizza you have is still pizza. It just doesn't have the ham. Yeah. It's still pizza. The burgers you have are still burgers. It's all still processed stuff. The vegan, as Courtney said, the vegan label doesn't make it healthy. There are a number, and this is why I told clients as well, like, yes, if you're plant-based, of course we can help you. Like, no problem at all. We know what has to be done here. Just be prepared for the fact that it's not as simple as, well, I'm plant-based. I, It's all going to work now. Like, no, because as Courtney touched on, you've then got to be strategic about, well, okay, we're taking away um, these various animal products and various sources of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, proteins, whatever. Where are we going to go and replace these? How are we going to go and replace these? There is real strategy involved with this. Can it work effectively? Absolutely, it can. Is there a little bit of work involved in doing it? Absolutely, there is. For sure, there is. But the thing is, and a bit of insight here, whenever I work with someone who's plant-based, The basics are still the same. Before you look at anything specific to a plant-based person, it's like, well, hey, let's get you in the gym learning how to exercise. Let's get you in the kitchen learning how to meal prep. Yes. Right? Then once all this starts to come together over time, then we'll get a bit more specific on, righto, now that you've got the fundamentals happening, now we'll look at, okay, how do we optimize your protein? Mm. How do we know where it's all coming from to make sure your body's getting enough of what it needs to build muscle, burn fat, Improve your metabolism, you know, improve your body composition, et cetera. So in summary, I'm a big fan and and I'm you know I'm I'm kind of kind of for it. Just understand that there is an approach that's needed in terms of optimizing health, performance, body composition, et cetera. It's not just as simple as, well, I'm plant-based, where's my results? Yes. Cool? Cool. Uh, Kate. First question from Kate. Um, kind of three parts of the first question. What do you guys think about pre-workouts? But also weight loss medications and intermittent fasting. So we just answered intermittent fasting. Um, We just answered weight loss medication with Duramine. And what do you guys think about pre-workouts? Courtney, what do you think about pre-workouts? This will refer to the pre-workout powders.
1: I personally think a lot of them are overrated. You, You would be correct. That's just my personal opinion. I think you also have to remember that there's a lot of stuff in them um, and it may not always work for you. I know I've had a lot in the past, probably also turned me off them because I've had a lot in the past that will just not agree with my stomach. Yeah. Um, And to be honest with you personally, I just find them unnecessary. I know there's a lot of people out there that swear by them. So- I'm not going to say that my my opinion is correct. Matt, you like to have them.
0: I'm a fan of good ones, as Courtney yeah. said. There's a lot. There's absolute garbage out there. Um, some some will not like some of the high stim ones. Won't work well with some people. Like you've got some people that will take. They'll do their. They'll train at night after yes. work. Okay, yeah. and they'll have their pre workout that's just jam packed full of caffeine, and they find they can't sleep at night. Yeah. So for that person, that's probably not. You know, you might yeah. look at a different one that's not so not so caffeinated, but. Yeah. Um, I I think they have their place. Um, as Courtney said, there's definitely your mileage will vary because they're not all they're not all the same. I think
1: to be fair though, I think there are a lot more now coming on the market that are being made cleaner. Absolutely, and yes, with less ingredients. Yes, like the, the ingredients that used to be on them, it's, it was just like honestly a mile long, and you couldn't even read the words.
0: Well, you know now, and you can make up your own pre workout powder. Yeah. Um, you just have like a shot of um, a shot of black coffee, and then put in some. Um, uh better alanine, it is. Better alanine to give you the the tingles, the spider sense. Boom, there's your pre-workout. Yeah. Um, bit of creatine in there, bang, done, let's go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think they have their place, but I'll I've said it before and I'll say it again. Actually, when it comes to pre-workouts, especially, they would be one of the last, absolute dead last supplements I would introduce to a client, no matter how advanced they get. Yeah. There's a lot of bridges to be crossed before you get to pre-workouts. You know, yeah. Obviously, you know, whole food habits, et cetera. But then let's look at supplements that we know work. Yeah, Creatine, protein, glutamine, and then we'll look a bit further from there. So on the on the supplement pyramid, pre-workouts, yeah, they're not the first thing I recommend, but they, they, they can have their place. They can have yes. their
1: place, but yeah, I will um, definitely advise caution when you start to look at them and just make sure that you are picking one that is more on the cleaner side. And also, as Matt said, you can definitely pick ones that are lower in caffeine um, these days lower, as well. Yeah, low stim, they so call them low stim. That, really have a look at that as well and think about when you work out and what what you need at the time.
0: I took one years ago that I actually got banned. Yeah, <laughs> um, because uh, I didn't take it while it was banned. I wasn't making that that decision, but I was taking it. Um, it was called uh, Hydroxycut. Um, so if you've been working out long enough, you probably will have heard of Hydroxycut. Um, hydroxy, hydro, uh, easy for me to say, mate. Hydroxycut um, was a very very big popular uh, pre workout powder. Yeah, you know, in the late the late two uh, thousands two thousand you know seven eight nine etc. Um, And then there was the the HydroxyCut Pro. uh, And so I would take that. And then for literally half the morning afterwards, I felt like a zombie dehydrated, um, the brain fog, and eventually got taken off the market um, for having questionable ingredients ingredients in there. Um, So as Courtney said, like, you know, be careful with things like pre-workouts. But I will say, and I, I should just touch on what I said last week, like I lost 80 kilos before I took a single supplement. Yeah. yeah, you know you, you can get this done without it.
1: If you feel like you need something to, I've I've just put a, a small shot, shot of, black, of black, coffee. black coffee as well. Yep. Before you know, sort of that in that half hour mark, within that sort of half hour before I go to the gym,
0: a, a shot of black coffee uh, before a training session can be a very good, um, clean, healthy way to, yeah. to create a pre workout. Yeah. In there, and as I said, you add some better alanine, and all of a sudden you got the the tingles, and it's like ooh.
1: Yeah. So, I mean there's definitely ways you can do it. I agree with Matt. It's it's not the top of the priority list, I think, but um, just be careful when you do start to look at it.
0: Uh, second question um, from Katie. There's a good one. Matt talks about Courtney's roasted pumpkin a lot. Yes, I do. It is the best. Do you? I've mentioned enough to make it a question on well, Q&A, clearly. Yes. Um, so, Courtney, what exactly do you put in it and how long and what temperature do you roast it? And, dumb question, are pumpkins available year-round in grocery stores? Courtney, tell us about your fucking awesome oven-roasted pumpkin and can you please make some this weekend?
1: No dumb questions when it comes to food because every question that you think is dumb, I will have already typed it into Google to find out myself because I'm no food foodie person. Um, so... Pumpkins are available in grocery stores here in Australia all year round. It just depends usually what sorts. There's a couple of different types of pumpkins. Um, Kent. Kent. Butternut. Butternut, I think maybe overseas might be called squash.
0: I think I think it is butternut squash overseas, yeah. yeah.
1: Butternut pumpkin here. And yeah. there's one, there's another one. Jupe or something? Jasper? I don't know. Anyway, I think we've got three different types of pumpkin. At least any of them tends to to work well. I tend to roast usually with Kent pumpkin, uh, butternut. Sometimes it is a bit softer. Um, butternut
0: butternut tends to go better in slow cookers. Yeah, it's, it's a softer mm.
1: pumpkin. The
0: Kent handles the oven yeah. a bit better,
1: holds its form a little bit better. I yeah. find personally, I we make those
0: like pumpkin wedges with the Kent ones.
1: Yes, so I tend to not um, take the skin off either before I roast it so i will literally just buy it either a full pumpkin half a pumpkin wash the outside because i don't don't take the skin off um i really like it because it gets soft when it's roasted some people don't like it but it's very easy because it is so soft just to pull off then if you've once you've roasted if you don't like it um yeah. yeah so i would just tend to wash it then start to slice it Cutting pumpkin's not the easiest thing in the world. So, for get me, your, get your chainsaw out. What I've learned is make sure you've got very good knives, very good sharp knives, and just be very careful. Make sure that, um, you know, back to my school days where, you know, you learned that um, to make sure that you have a chopping board that doesn't move.
0: A good chopping board, yeah.
1: Or if it does, if you've only got a chopping board that does tend to move, um, I learned at school you should um, d- um, get a tea towel and um, wet it. So it's damp and then you put it underneath your chopping board and then your chopping board won't move. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Um, learned that in like year 11 at school.
0: I learned that just today.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, make sure you've got a chopping board that doesn't move because you can definitely do some serious injury to your hands if you've got very sharp knives. After that, it's pretty much just chopping it up into whatever cubes you want. Um, obviously, the seeds in the middle of the pumpkin, I remove those chop it up um, however big chunks always try to make sure that your what I've learned is to try to make sure most of your your pieces are a similar size and width because otherwise if they're thinner they're gonna cook a lot quicker than the thicker ones and it can you know be a real pain. So try to try to have some consistency with the size of your pieces and then literally all I do is put them in a baking tray, um, drizzle some oil over them, whatever oil you want. You could do just regular extra virgin olive oil. Um, sometimes we will use—I don't know if they're sold everywhere, but definitely where we live, you can buy these sort of um, infused olive oils. So you can get like a garlic and rosemary infused oil, um, which is great for me because I can't eat garlic, um, but I can have the oil. Um, I can my t- my tummy can handle the Olive oil that's infused with garlic, but I can't eat garlic, so it's a great way for me to be able to add extra flavor. After that, you I'm just going to make sure that they're coated, um, you know, got a good bit of oil on each of them, and then pick a seasoning. So in the past, I've just used a general herb, like a herb mix,
0: Big herbs, yeah, um,
1: just dry. Herbs I tend to use because it's easier and I'm lazy. Um, mm. So I'll just go to the spice section of the supermarket and literally just just pick a general purpose, you know, uh, mixed herb mix or sometimes, I don't know, I think I've done like a Cajun spice mix. Um, most of the time I'll just use a general mixed spice, but whatever, whatever flavour you want them to be, there's no right or wrong with it. And then just put them in the oven. <sighs> what? I tend to have my oven up pretty high, especially for pumpkin. So I tend to probably go 200. Celsius. Degrees Celsius. And time frame. I'm pretty bad when it comes to cooking. Sorry, guys. I just I don't really pay that much attention. i probably set my timer for like half an hour and then I'd go and check it. And I tend to just um, – if I'm concerned, it may not be cooked all the way through. I'll put like a little knife just in the top, like into one of them and you'll know if it goes through really easily that it's okay. cooked all the way through. If there's a little bit of um, resistance, it's not quite cooked in the middle, but usually they're pretty cooked by the time they come out because I like them to be a bit more on the golden brown, crispier side. Same. So I leave them in there for a little while. So, you know, maybe start with half an hour and then just check them. Depends how many you've got in there as well. Maybe even start with this, maybe start with 20 minutes and just check it after that and adjust.
0: Uh, Last question from Katie. Can you please cook up some roasted pumpkin for Matt this weekend?
1: (laughs) Yes, I can.
0: Great question. (laughs) All right, Uh, last question from from Morella. How much thought do you put into meal prep? What I mean is, are you really not taking macros into consideration? Are you thinking calorie intake? Courtney, tell I've, me how you count your macros with your food prep. I
1: personally don't know how to count macros, so I can't really give any opinion on this at all.
0: Well, what thought do you put into meal prep then?
1: My thought to go into meal prep would definitely be: Do I have a protein source? Um, Matt and I eat um, animal um, protein products, so you know that tends to come from a meat source. So whether that be chicken, it could be fish beef something like that for us but you know or even pork if pork
0: this week pork
1: oh, yeah i made pulled pork this week in the slow cooker yes, i mean did. it just it just depends for us but i mean it would be the same concept if we were plant based making sure that there's a protein source somewhere and then making sure that there's lots of vegetables or salad mixes so we tend to make sure that we've got a lot of variety with our vegetables um And if I'm going to make up a salad or something like that, I'll put as many different colors and varieties of foods in there as possible. Um, I think when it comes also to like, are you thinking about calorie intake? I'm not thinking about it when I'm food prepping these days, but I think generally you have a general rule when you get to know food and nutrition. That's where I think we also often talk about calorie awareness rather Mm. than, Rather than calorie counting. So I have an awareness where I just have a general understanding that this massive big tub full of um, colourful salad mix, that's going to be far less calories than if I made, I don't know, um, I'm just trying to think of what, that's a lot of calories that some people make. Um,
0: Bucket of rice?
1: bucket of rice, even, you know, a lot of people really love to make those um you know, those protein balls, you know, for mm, snacks. Mm. But often, like, I would just know without having to count the calories that are in it, it tends to be a lot more calories than that's in my massive bucket of vegetables. Um, for a lot smaller of a serve. Too. Yeah. So I definitely, these days, I don't, wouldn't say every time I – make something I'm thinking about calories, I think that's just built up over time. Whereas at this point, I don't really think about it. No, I don't think about like how many calories are in this or, or that. Um, I definitely don't track it. But for me, it's mo- mostly just making sure when I'm doing my meal prep that it's going to be balanced. Like do I have protein? Do I have a lot of other, you know, vegetables or salad mixers? sources. My carb sources that are going to make sure that that's what, what's going to fill me up. And there's a lot of variety and color in it.
0: Um, how long have you been doing this for now?
1: Almost ten years.
0: Have you ever taken your macros into consideration? No. Have you ever counted your calories? No. How's it worked out for you?
1: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say okay.
0: Um, so I'm very much very similar to Courtney in terms of, are you really not taking macros into consideration? No. Um, the one macro I have paid attention to in the past has been protein cause it's the one that counts the most with this. Um, but I've done this for so long now I can eyeball my protein amounts. Um, I just like, yep, that's how much I need of that. And bang, done. In it goes. Um, am I thinking calorie intake? I've never thought calorie intake because when's the last time you met someone who legitimately got overweight from eating good, healthy food? Because I've never, I haven't met them either. You know, So I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, you don't need to count – mac. Or, or actually, no, I'm not going to sit here and say counting or looking at your macros won't work, and I'm not going to sit here and say that counting your calories won't work. But I can also say not doing them can work as well. So for me, my approach is, well, I don't want to be doing more than I have to. Mm. My, my approach with this is, well, how much, what's the least amount I need to do to get the outcome that I want as opposed to, oh, do I need to do more? Yeah. More isn't always the answer. No. So with me, with the thought I put into food prep, it's very similar to Courtney in terms of the color. Um, the color, the variety, the balance. So, okay, where's my protein sources coming from? Where are my carb sources coming from? Where are my, my healthy fat sources coming from? But on top of that, the other thought I put into is am I going to be prepared enough for, you know, the coming three days, the coming four days, the coming seven days? Am I going to be prepared for, oh, I've got a I've got a weekend away? or I've got a, a day out or whatever it is, am I prepared for that? I'm more thinking situationally Yeah. in terms of rule of proximity when it comes to that. Um, and Morella also says, I've been seeing people with high protein intake from food, not powders, even people doing keto diets who seem to get better results over time, uh, better muscle definition, less body fat. What are your thoughts on that? Thank you. Last question. You're throwing your hand to me. You want me to answer this one?
1: Well, I don't actually know that much about the keto diet. I haven't really looked into it that much. So I I think protein intake is definitely um, important just generally.
0: Protein intake, um, of all we, – we talk about, you know, you don't need to look at your macros. As someone gets more advanced, there is absolutely benefits that come from teaching someone how to optimize their protein intake, but you've got to walk before you run and you've got to crawl before you walk. So for most people, um, I don't even look at things like protein intake until they have got the basics down pat because if someone, for example, is terrible at food prep, like who gives a fuck how much protein they're getting in? Like yeah. get in the fucking kitchen and learn yeah. how to do that. Uh, in terms of what are, what are my thoughts on people getting results on things like keto, cool. Crack on, mate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for every every great story you've heard about keto, there's probably just as many terrible stories um, about keto. And it's, it's going to be the same with every diet out there. So, I mean, again, focusing less on what other people are getting great results from and focusing more what you're doing yeah. and, you know, getting great results from that um, is important. I think when you see a lot of people, I mean, high protein intake can be very uh, subjective I think
0: Well it depends on the individual, it depends d- on where they're at, depends on their yeah. body size. Yeah. Um, it
1: depends on their, their goals. Goals as well. Yeah. Yes. If they're if they're training for a marathon, you know, their protein and carb intake is gonna be very different from somebody who's not. Um, it, it it really just Matt's protein intake is different to my protein intake. I would hope so. So um, we're a different size. So slightly
0: different size.
1: It it is very um, different for everyone I think there's a lot of people out there though that you know it is important as Matt said to look at it eventually because there's a lot of people out there that undereat on protein um, but then there's also a lot of you know that if the people that do that it's because they tend to their balance of their meals tends to be off so you, you that's why I go back to focus when you're thinking about meal prepping is to focus on having a good balance so you're not just having a meal that's you know, uh, a sandwich with no protein at all, and then your next meal is eggs and bacon with no vegetables. So, like, you know, the balance is, tends to be off.
0: Um, I, Yeah, Courtney, Courtney said it well in terms of, like, in term, well, actually, no, you know what? Um, we talk about getting better results over time. What does someone define as a better result? To me, the better result is can you get something and keep it? So if someone says to me, oh, well, hey, I did keto for 12 weeks. I lost eight kilos. Like, hey, congratulations. Come see me in 12 months. Mm. If you're talking in 12 months about losing that weight all over again, then it, to me that's not a result. Overall, though, the best – golden rule, the best program is the one you can stick to. Yeah. So even though I love to make jokes about things like keto and intermittent fasting because a lot of it is gimmick shit. It's giving shit designed to take people's money out of their pockets and transfer it to someone else's pocket. Um, that being said, if someone, most people, right, spend years and years and years and years looking and, and searching and stressing about, oh, what's the best thing that's going to work for me? Courtney and I are at this really blessed spot where we don't need to do that anymore, so if someone says, I got a great result doing keto, cool, high five. If you can sustain it, fucking don't change, mate. I'm not going to say, come do what we do. If it's working for you, keep doing it. Yeah. But what I'm really happy to be able to say is we don't need to worry about what other people are doing or other methods because we we do something that's worked for us, it's worked with our clients, and it is sustainable. Like how many people can say that? I've got something that works. I know it works and I can sustain it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like that, rare words. Rare words. So, um, my thoughts on that, like, cool. If they're happy, I'm happy for them. Yep. Done. Done. That's it. That's the end of the season. That's it. We're out of here.
1: We are. Thank you for listening.
0: Hopefully, this has helped. Yes. Uh, Courtney, Facebook group
1: um the weight loss podcast on facebook just look us up join the group if you're not already in there um, what are you
0: doing with your life if you're not in there
1: i know and yeah we'll uh we'll start working on bringing you season eight
0: well, we've already got it planned out it's now just the case of let's start recording it um so season eight will be coming this calendar year um i would probably be saying i reckon we'll aim for like august september yep courtney
1: yes absolutely
0: um, to get uh, get through to, to Christmas,
1: um, and we should have an update on the academy by then.
0: Oh yes, yes. So hopefully, you have enjoyed, especially gotten a lot out of this season. Um, that's the whole purpose of doing this show in the yes. first place. Thank you for joining us, and we will speak to you soon. See
1: ya.